Hello, hello, and welcome to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. What a beautiful day to inspire lives. My name is Jaime Gabriel Ragosa, your host, and I am so excited to have you here. Let's get ready to meet some fantastic unicorns and learn how to unleash the inner unicorn in you. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Today, we I have a very special guest. She is actually located in Texas right now. She's a consultant and has been working for various years in the in the industry with various different agencies. She's organizations on different projects, some which she will share today, and they change people's lives every day. Even though it was such an intense time that I worked with her just because the work that we were doing was very impactful. Felt like I worked with her for many years, even though it was just like a five-month span. But we'll expand a little bit more on that. But I have Viviana Huerta. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. Thank you for having me. My name is Viviana Huerta, and I was born and raised in the Rio Grande Valley, which is when I was going to college and stuff, I would tell everybody I'm from the Valley, and they always assumed it was California. But it's not. I grew up in a little border town by Matamoros, next to, at the very tip of Texas, next to South Padre Island. I'm a third-generation Tejana. Graduated Rio Hondo High School, population 3,200. Oh my gosh. So super (laughs) tiny. That's probably your graduating high school class. We've grown a little bit, but kind of like I was, or I I explained to you and and do to other people, we we were poor. And I don't think I even realized we were poor. I learned like every good, you know, Tejana living in the border, how to eat and spook frijoles with tortillas. Many a times growing up, you know, we didn't have enough money for electricity. So we ate by candlelight. That's a cool showers because there was no money for the hot water. We grew up selling plants at the flea market. Coming through the years and stuff, I got picked on and bullied because most of my clothes was from the flea market. You know what? It was all worth it because I feel that's how we got our ethic. Or, you know, how we got that ingrained into us. Work, work. That's what I've been doing after that. <laughs> Continue to do it. And I think, I think that's why we did so well together in our five-year experience, or I'm sorry, five, six-month experience <laughs> in California. It felt like five years because everybody, I think, comes with, with that historical input of you got to work. You got to work. And I think we were all just a little bit of overwork of Hollick. And so I, I appreciate it working with you very much because I felt you brought that balance, at least try to, and ingrain it into us to say it's okay to slow down. But that's me. I've been working with impact. And like you said, my, my whole, I think my whole career, I've always wanted to make sure I can change a life every day, even if it's just with a word or with a grant or with an action or with a free house, or, or something like that. But it, it's important to me. It's important to me to help folks as much as I would want folks to help me or my kids. And you did. And you were part of a huge, huge mission, actually, because you were a director yourself. We were both directors mm-hmm. managing a shelter with kids that were were at the border, and we helped rehouse them. I think together, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was over 7,500 kiddos that were getting, that were sent back to like with their homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe we we almost hit 10,000. Wow. Uh, we were able to either place them with a with a sponsor in the United States and or foster care to make sure they went on to a sponsor. Some of those stories were hard. I don't know how some of those babies did it. I mean, I remember being lost at the grocery store freaking out because I couldn't find my mom. And to me, 10 nine-year-olds telling me how they took two weeks to get to the United States. I'm like, wow, we, we sure did help a lot of folks there. You were a huge point, like part of that. I feel like that job was very stressful. A lot of our caseworkers were immensely stressed. They had very tight deadlines. They, had, they were overbooked, overcaseloaded. And you would come in at seven in the morning singing whatever song was in your head that day and you were just like good morning everyone and then you were like singing like either a spanish song or an english song and you were like wearing all these colorful like outfits that like it just really brought a lot of sunshine and and smiles in the room and a lot of the caseworkers even after the fact today that i still talk to they're like i still remember viviana just walking in like singing that one song like nothing was bothering her like the whole world was like her oyster 
And I loved it. So like, how did you keep that, that energy, that sunshine? Because you were one of the individuals that were working like 14 days straight, getting like two hours of sleep sometimes, if that. Uh, how did you keep up that energy? I like to sing. That's, that's my thing. <laughs> I like to sing. And, and, and I think it's just that I have always worked to make sure people around me know that when I go, they're, they're going to say, your girl always had a smile on her face. A, a song in her heart and some kind of beverage in her hand. I mean, she just, you know, <laughs> that's just me. I did that because we get so bubbled down with everything that happens in our lives because we still have our own script happening mm -hmm. behind that. But work is part of your everyday. Most of us, you know, we mm -hmm. have to. You got to make the best of it. You, you have to make it. And, that, and that's, I remember sitting down and talking with you and telling you, if it just doesn't bring joy to you to come up and do it every day, then it's not what, what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. There's helping people like that. And, and not just in a shelter, anywhere. Just that is my passion. I, I felt like I needed to not just remind myself, but also remind all 450 of those people we worked with and supervised that, hey, you're here and, and you, don't, you don't understand the opportunity you have been given today to change someone's life. Mm -hmm. If you go into it that way, you're going to want to sing and dance yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel that way. But I mean, like I said, I just, I like to sing and dance, Brand. That's just what I do. <laughs> I figure why not share it with everybody else? And, mm. Just bring a little bit of sunshine, as you said. And then if you want to close the blinds, close them. But at least I did my part. It definitely, That's why. It definitely did. And I, I know for me, sometimes I was a little cr cranky, especially like if I got in like 30 minutes of sleep that day. And I was yep. coming in with, I was, and I, I'm going to be honest about it. I was sometimes in a bad mood and I wasn't the nicest person. And I would come in, I was all cranky. And then you would be singing and I was like, oh, she's like singing. Yeah, but then after a while. again. But then after a while, I was like, okay, that's actually pretty catchy. You know what? I'm just going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. And then you would, you would lift up my mood. And like, I, even though, like, like you said, you go in bad, but then because you you're exuding so much positive energy, you change people. And being in there with 400 individuals, other caseworkers, all in one huge room with like four directors, like 17 leads, all these people just like hammering you with like numbers, 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 give me numbers. It can get very stressful. And sure. that, that's another question I wanted to do tell you is, have you ever been exposed to that many individuals in, in one workplace all at the same time before? Because that was new to me and it was a little overstimulating. Um, like I told you, I mean, I, I've been working for a long time and I think and I really did learn a lot. But as I mentioned before, part of what I worked with was the Job Corps program. I don't know how I managed to get myself in there, but at 26, I was running one of the largest or the largest job corps in the country is called Gary Job Corps. And it was a lot of what we were seeing, different departments, different directors, different staff, different complaints, different everything. Everybody has their management style. Everybody, everybody knows they're right. Dang it. You know, <laughs> and so everybody knows how they're running their stuff. And we, we had that there. So I, I, I did have to learn how to my style of communication with that person. How am I going to get what I need across to them and, and yet still be willing to compromise to get the job done? I had done that and it was, it is a 24 hour facility. So when I came in, I was like, wow, I don't think anybody knows how hard we're going to have to work to get this going. And so I felt I was an integral part of it just because I was able to say, look, Jaime, we're going to have to do like this. And you're going to have to work this hard for like just a little bit. And then once you get it, we're... And, and people, some folks were like, absolutely not. I'm done at five o'clock. I'm done. It doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. It doesn't. And I feel like I was able to bring a little bit of that because of my prior experience. I, and by the way, I did job work for like eight years. And then I said, I'm never doing this again. And then I got to meet you in California. <laughs> You did an amazing job. And I know that we used to have, I forgot what we called it, but I think it was like our talks every now and then where we needed to kind of like take a break or like, come take, oh, come take a walk with me. And then uh -huh. we, would, we, we would walk over to the the little corner 
And we would just like talk and vent. And those helped me tremendous. I know I've worked with 800 individuals for a company before where I managed them, but they were never like majority of them were like working from home or in different buildings. And I would see them in increments. That was the first time that I was exposed all in one room, no walls, the rows and rows and rows of individuals. And then you saw them, they, they were lining up to my desk, asking me mm -hmm. a million questions. And I was like, I was like, next, next, next. And it was just, and a lot of the, a lot of them, like you said, were used to like desk jobs where you clock in at nine, you clock out at five and mm -hmm. that's it. But you're working with, you're working with the kids and the clients right in front of you. Like that kiddo is having a tantrum. That kiddo is having an exponential crisis. Like I remember it was, I was supposed to be off at six that day, a four-year-old tried to commit suicide. So then I had to go with I mental remember. health and leave till 12 that day. And what am I going to do? Sorry, you know, I'm just going to go home. No, you don't do that. Right. You, you can't. can't. So it's yeah. definitely a big, a big change. I think one of the biggest challenges with that is, is the, the population that we employ. We're the majority of social workers. We're the, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you go through the educational establishment, they're teaching you to build the rapport, get to know that client. Get down to the root of it. You don't have that time with this type of population. Mm -mm. It's go, go, go. And I think that was one of the, the hardest things I had to convey to some of the staff was like, I get it. I, I know you want to, like, you just want to hug the babies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can't. You can't. This is just, are they safe? Are they going to be with somebody who's safe? Are they exploiting them? Are they not? Are they, you know... And it's so many little steps that have to go fast, fast. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was, and that's a mental breakdown for some folks. Yeah. And so we had to play that role. I feel you and I as directors and stuff to say, okay, come, bajale. You know, those yes. guess it helped round us a little bit better for a leadership role in the future. Me for retirement, but you, <laughs> you're... You're gonna, you're up and coming, friend, even further. <laughs> Thanks. I think I like, I learned a lot from everybody. What would you say to somebody who wants to get in this type of field? Because this is working with people in crisis, because none of those, right. all of those kids were going through so many things. Either if they want to work with children or adults or, or teenagers that are in crisis or going through something traumatic, what are some advice that you would say as a case manager, as a supervisor, or just as an individual, what can they do to prepare themselves to be in that type of work? Well, like I said, it has to be your passion. It has to be what you love. And I have worked in so many different aspects of helping people in general, but my where I excel the most is with young people. But Pomona, Pomona is where, where I, I really felt that light come back on. So what would I say to young people? Feel the light. If you, yeah. if you have that light, Follow it. You're a firefly for them. You're going to light the way for them. And if, if that's your passion, I guarantee you, you're going to walk in there singing and dancing every day the way I did. That's what I love, to help young people. And I'll tell you what, maybe a little more spiritual, Vivi crazy from Texas. I really believe that, that you reap what you sow. You're going you're gonna to get it back. Mm -hmm. I have three wonderful babies. I am not a glamma yet, but <laughs> if I am, um, I would like to think that my kids would bump into someone like me if they needed help. And so if you just put that out there, it doesn't have to be one of your own. It just has to be somebody that you care about. Wouldn't you want them to meet someone like you that would be willing to give them that hand up and not look at it as a handout? them some dignity, give them some respect, and then help them in the process. Why not? Nothing to lose and everything to gain. You got to look at the big picture. You got to look down the road. It can't just be tomorrow. It's got to be the long haul. Yes, you, you have to. If you, if you keep looking at just what you're doing today, you're going to miss so many key aspects that you could have helped yourself or helped other people in the mm -hmm. future. One thing that you started doing, and I was truly inspired, and I continued it um, when I was when I started doing the program, was you were, and you don't have to because a lot of individuals didn't have to do this, but you actually brought 
caseworkers and you alternated to them seeing the reunifications happen. And mm-hmm. I remember my first one and it was amazing because you actually saw what you were reaping. You saw all of the work that you were doing, seeing the kids as numbers. And you're like, you forget, why am I doing this? But you actually took them, took them to the site and you're like, okay, you're going to see this kiddo get reunified with their, with their parents after 10, 15 years. Tears, the joy, the running, like the goose. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it right now. I was trying really hard not to cry. Yeah. And I, I would see the, the caseworkers and yourself and you did something amazing just by showing them. And you would always see the, like the people that you came, as you came back, they were like inspired or like, can I work five more hours today? <laughs> <laughs> and, and ever since Job Corps and on, I, I believe you always begin with the end in mind. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know what end is going to look like or be like, how are you motivated to even try to get to the end? And I didn't think it stuck out with anybody. I just thought that was normal that I want to go, you know, but, but it, it is. It's amazing when parents showed up wearing a homemade T-shirt with mm-hmm. a family portrait. The seven-year-old I just walked over there was a month old in that family portrait. And they're finally getting back together. It was just wow. Like, just wow. And and for my case managers, and, and don't get me wrong, sometimes I had to say like, okay, 20 of you cannot go. Yeah. Maybe five. You know, <laughs> yeah. maybe 10. Because you don't want um, to make It's not a parade, you know. Mm-hmm. But just to be able to share that with them, for them to be able to see. I didn't get a warm meal that night because I had to stay and work. But wow, you know, look at look what we just did. And we did that. And nobody can take that from you. That's the work you did. Kind of like your education. Mm-hmm. Nobody can ever take that from you. So I feel like I said, if, if, if we just begin with the end in mind, almost in anything in life, you'll be okay. Completely agree. And that was truly amazing. So switching gears a little bit, because I think one of the main reasons that you're so wonderful is because you also come in with a different perspective. You were born and raised in Texas, and then you were just planted in California for a few months. How was that? That Was it a culture shock coming in as a Texan to California? They're like, where, what, what the heck is this? Where's my water burger? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it was a culture shock. I think I was a little bit jealous and not a little bit jealous. Growing up Texan by the border, now, I don't know if it's the same in California because I didn't feel it was that way. But you always strived or worked to make sure everybody knew you were American. Hmm. It, there was a lot of self-hatred instilled yeah. into, into you growing up to make sure you assimilated enough to, to be American. And little did you know that once you left, the border town to go to university or move or whatever, you were never going to be American enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you were never going to be accepted. But we didn't know that. So it, it and maybe that's why I always sang Spanish music and stuff being, you know, there with you in California, because I didn't learn mariachi music or any of that until I left mm. the border town. There was no sense of pride. And because we Latinos do have a high dropout rate in both high school, college, et cetera. When I came to college here in, in San Marcos, which is between Austin and San Antonio, very first thing that they told me in the dorms was, oh, my God, how did you get that tan? And I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm like this, you know, <laughs> oh, my God, you have such indigenous bone structure. And, and I, I had never noticed that until they pointed it out. And I was like, Mira, I do have high cheekbones, you know? <laughs> yes. yes. Um, or when they pointed out my accent and I said, what accent? What are you talking about? I hear it. I know it. The culture shock for me was in California. That didn't seem to be a thing. Most everybody I met and worked with asked me and were shocked when when I when they asked me like what part of Mexico are you from and I was like I'm a Tejana like I was born in Texas you know and I felt there like they think I'm embarrassed they think I'm not I'm not in touch with who I am and that's really not the case so I felt that was a big culture shock tamales were a big culture shock to me 
tacos were a big contention. <laughs> well, the, the tacos that Californians eat are considered street tacos where mm -hmm. I live. Oh, okay. The, the flour tacos that we eat here are considered burritos over there. Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, when, when I went to eat with some of the case managers, they said, you probably want about six or six or eight tacos. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? I mean, that's, me voy a empanzar. I can't do that. <laughs> I didn't know they were like that big. Yes. You know, I'm nuts. <laughs> I went like, okay, that makes sense now. But there was a lot of differences, but yet we were one. If I'm going to get treated the same way in California that I probably, that you would probably get treated in Texas. And it's probably much nicer in California. I'm just saying. <laughs> we, we are still one. Was the big culture shock with me? And yes, I did miss my Whataburger. I did <laughs> that. Uh, my Bluebell ice cream, stuff like that. It was different, but... What, what a wonderful exposure to be able to compare and contrast and see the differences and learn from them and then go from there. It was amazing. It was a good five, six months. That's a very interesting that you say that. I, I've always been told, you know, Californians live in their own bubble and they're a lot different than any other state. And even myself going into high school, I'm first generation Hispanic. My parents were born in Guadalajara, Mexico, and they came here when they were in their teens, got their residency, graduated. And one thing is that my they always told me, you need to know English. You need to know English. Mm -hmm. If not, you're not going to make it. And they really ingrained that in me. My parents didn't know English. So they like forced themselves to learn English. We only were allowed to talk English in, in the house. But one thing that they told me is just because you're speaking English, you can't forget Spanish and you can't forget where you're from. Never, right. never forget where you're from. And that's something that was instilled in me. But it also helped because 90% of the people that were in my high school were Hispanic of one form or mm. another. I think because we're so close to the border as well, a lot of individuals come here. But it's interesting how you say, because Texas is also a border state. So it's interesting how you say that the, the culture is different, even though they're both close to the border. Yeah. Well, you know, because like where I grew up, almost every, I think the only Latinos that worked in our school district were lunch ladies. Mm and bus drivers mm -hmm. and custodians. Almost every teacher, even if they had a Latino last name, it's because they married, but mm -hmm. they were Caucasian. Got it. Our school board was predominantly, if not all, Caucasian. Was, you didn't speak Spanish if, if you didn't have to. I was fortunate my grandmother refused <laughs> to, to speak to us in English. And I learned Spanish, and I'm very thankful for that because I did go get a modern languages degree with a specialization in Spanish. Why? Because it was easier. No, I don't know. It just, yeah, I liked it, you know, and I wanted to, to get better with it. And so I did it. But, but that's how we were raised. They frowned upon you until they needed your help for Spanish 1410 or Spanish 1420. <laughs> then they yes. wanted to be your partner and stuff. Mm -hmm. But you would think that I would have more of a sense of orgullo. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that came with time because of the way the environment was growing up, because that's how we were raised. And so you have to deprogram that mm -hmm. to be able to, to be tolerant, accepting, appreciative of, of the gift that you have, the talent that you have being bilingual, trilingual, and to understand the cultures. And I'll tell you what, Tex-Mex is a language in itself here in, in <laughs> In Texas, and the kids would tell me in Pomona, Miss, I like, why do you change from English to Spanish? But yeah, see, I talk to everyone, you know, and they were like, yeah, and I was like, yeah. and I had people that would tell me, I don't speak Spanish, but that's okay because I talk to everyone like that. So no worries, you know, and they were just like, oh, Lord, you know, yeah, because, but at the same time, I meant like being that way, doing that way, it, it makes me feel a little insecure in the professional world because that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. That's just my personality and who I am. And I'm proud of who I am. But then they'll put me in meetings with executives and stuff, and I can't be that person. I'm supposed to put on this a home. different hat. And, and I can't because that's not who I am. So take it or leave it. And I think I would always tell all of you what you see is what you get. 
that's it. I'm just a humble, you know, Tejana from the Valley who managed to get a little degree and wants to spread a little bit of joy and change a couple lives. That's just who I am. What you see is what you get. But that is what makes you great because I remember there's times where we're having a meeting with everybody and then people were like sugarcoating everything with me. I was like, how bad really is it? And I was like, Viviana, tell me how bad it really is. And you're like, and you're like, well, friend, this is, it's like this, this is like this. And I was like, perfect, because sometimes you need to get through it. I was like, we're in a rush. I, I don't have time for you to say, well, you know, it's because like, don't beat around the bush. Just tell me how it is. And you were always like straight, you were vulnerable. And you didn't tell me the answers I wanted to hear. You told me what the things I needed to hear, you know, and yeah. at the time people, they, they get scared, they get intimidated because they're like, wow, she knows exactly what she's saying. But you need to take that to heart and be like, I need to learn from her. I need to gain that insight because that's what's going to help me succeed. And I think that what you have, right. not, not many people have that. So that that's super, super special about you. Thank you. And going. It usually gets me in trouble. <laughs> I think it's because people aren't used to it. And, yeah. and they're intimidated by that. So I think they want to shun your light. But you said you need to write that light up and spread it with people. Mm-hmm. I've told these many things. Why I think you're a unicorn. So why do you think you're a unicorn yourself? What makes you special? That's real hard. Especially I think the way that kind of like I told you the way we're raised. I, and and I know I, I started talking to you a little bit about it, but it, I learn, evolve every day, every day. And and I've, I've learned to start listening. So my 12-year-old, because I have a 12-year-old, Angelica, she comes and sits down next to me and she's crying. And so I'm, and that, there it is. That was my reaction. I was like, what's wrong? What happened? Who do I need to hurt? Where do we need to go? You know? And I remember she just looked at me and she's like, nothing's wrong. And I was like, then why are you crying? And she said, because I'm just crying. There's nothing wrong with that, mom. It's just tears. It's not a big deal. And that just like, like blew my mind. <laughs> because I'm thinking, I've always been taught. And, and it, I think it's cultural, Jaime. I think it is. I remember my mom telling me, you want a reason to cry? Let me give you a mm-hmm. reason to cry. Yep. And so I, I had to explain to her, I was like, look, it's just that I have been taught that you don't let anybody see you sweat. Mm-hmm. You don't give anybody the satisfaction of seeing you cry. You have to forge forward. You're going to, you're better than that. You don't do that. And for you to just sit here and tell me, <laughs> just tears, it's not a big deal. It kind of lit the switch instead. Viv, she's right. It's okay to cry. And so I think what what would make me a unicorn is (laughs) that I'm able to learn and and open myself up, be vulnerable to the idea of being weak, giving myself permission to be weak, you Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) And, and giving myself permission to be who I am and still think, Go get it, girl. You know, I mean, and and I think if anybody takes anything from me, take that. Give yourself permission. Because you know what? I mean, not just any Juan Miguel or Tommy is going to go and get a a doctorate degree or be able to even do it, you Mm -hmm. know, or 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 help a kid reunify or just Make somebody eligible to pay their rent or mm-hmm. help them. Take that little bit. That's, I feel my specialty is to remind you that it's okay to give yourself permission to be vulnerable, to be weak, to, be, to feel disappointed mm-hmm. and, and still get up and go. Because, and, and, and I, I don't know, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's hard. It is. It's hard to be strong all the time. And it's hard to even let it go. I think it it took my 12-year-old. My (laughs) 12-year-old. I was like, you know what? She's going to be brilliant like her mother. No, I don't know. (laughs) Well, she gets that from you. So you you obviously um, instilled that in her. So that so compliments to you for allowing her to be to even allowing you to say that. Yeah, it was it was like, like I said, mind blown. I was like, she is right. You just grab a piece of tissue and yeah and you get it all out and it doesn't make you weaker 
It doesn't make you, you know, like like we were raised. And and I had to explain that to her. I said, you have to understand. Your grandmother would have been like, what's wrong with you? You know, I said, <laughs> it's just, but you're right. They're just tears. It's just so I don't know if that answers it, but I think it does. I think that would be me. Yeah. And I, yeah. I have to 100% agree with it. I think allowing yourself to have a good day or allowing yourself to have a bad day and knowing it's okay. I'll Tomorrow's dust myself. another day, Frank. Exactly. I'll Mañana empieza de nuevo and mm-hmm. you get another shot. Exactly. And like I tell the girl, it's like a netcha sketch. Shake it up. Yeah. Start again. Dale. <laughs> you know so it's a clean slate so that's beautiful i think the way you said it was amazing and you're surrounded by so many different people and you impact a lot of impact a lot of people there Uh, you go (laughs) so what are some qualities you see in other people that you're like oh these are these are unicorns these are people that are rising are going to do good in life or these are the people i want near me because i want to be able to learn from them as well i think with and i think california exemplified it quite a bit I love a learner. I love some a sponge, somebody who's gonna let me pass on what I have learned to them, and then let me learn from them in the process. Because I'll tell you what, the girls that that my my Texas team, which was consisted of Camila and Raquel with me, that's what I loved about those girls. They were sponges. And you know what? Just the same way you and I would sit down and talk. And just for your audience to know, these were 20-year-old young ladies, you know, super young. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and talked with them and said, let me let me explain to you. And they didn't have to sit down and listen, but they did. Mm -hmm. So let me break down what this contract is saying. An FTE is a full-time employee. The contract calls for yada yada, and and they sat there and took their notes or whatever. Well, one of the tasks we had to do before we actually got on the floor and worked with you guys was to recruit, recruit staff, recruit staff. Camila, I I tell her, I'm going to take you out and do old school recruitment. So we put beautiful flyers together. Went to several of the neighborhoods. I, I don't even know if I was in good neighborhoods or bad <laughs> neighborhoods. That was the, the, the beauty of being at Tejana in California. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went out there, right? And we went to several of the Latino neighborhoods and stuff to try to get youth workers, case workers, all that good stuff. Camila says, you know, Viv, I think we're working too hard. Let me show you something. And she sure did put a barcode on those flyers. <laughs> and we sure did go to all these restaurants and stuff and put it on the tables. And all people had to do was scan that barcode and it would take them <laughs> to the link to apply. And I'm just thinking, I would have never thought of that because I'm 50 and you're 20. <laughs> but wow, like, wow. And what I liked, I respected them for that. But what I liked the most was that when it came down to learn Teach me, Viv. Tell me, how do I help this kid get there? Tell me, that's the circle I want. That's the circle I want. Because if you're willing to learn, you're not afraid of me. You're not intimidated by me. You're empowered by me. And I want to be empowered by you. And if you can give me that, it's a lot of give and take. But wow, I mean, that's continued growth, continued learning. That's that's essential for anyone to be successful. And maybe not just career-wise, life-wise, because I learned from those girls and they're only 20. And if I was anybody else, I would have been like, they're mm-hmm. 20. What do they know? A lot. They know a lot. lot, lot. They did. So it was great. It was great. That's who I would put in my circle. That's great. And I agree they started a month before me. So anybody else would have been like, I know more than you because I've been here uh-huh. longer. But no, they would they would like I would bring up an idea. They're like, that's interesting. Oh, let, let me try that. And they would constantly be doing that. And then they also would say, you know, what you're, what you're doing there. What if you try it this way? And I'm like, that's a very good idea. And mm-hmm. we would teach each other things. And what they have is very rare because mm-hmm. they were good with Excel. They were good with with PowerPoint, with Microsoft Word. With the computer, with numbers, that is so rare to find nowadays, especially with people their age. They don't teach that in high school as much. Yeah. So the fact that they took the time to learn that and to like respect and 
they were they were working with people twice their three times their age over there. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were surrounded by it. And then it was it was like they were they were leads and they had to then manage those people. So mm-hmm. it took a lot from them. So they they're amazing unicorns themselves. For real. And just the fact that the, some of the folks they were supervising had three times the education mm-hmm. and they still commanded respect mm-hmm. because they knew what they were doing. That's the type of folk I want to be around. I, the paper impresses me just because I know how hard it is to get it, but it's not necessary. I'll, I'll respect somebody who's going to show me, look, I can do this and let me show you how I'm going to do this. Wow. That's, that's the folk I want around me. Exactly. And for those listeners, you don't need a degree to be successful in life. Right. And if you have a degree, it doesn't make you better than anybody else. And there it is. So there it is. Respect is earned, mm-hmm. not, not just given out. Yeah. Exactly. Just because you have a degree doesn't make that you're like, oh, I'm the head honcho or the head honcha here. No, respect is earned and you need to be humble no matter what level you are. And if you're going to get a degree, do it because you want to work on self-improvement so then you can give back not because you just want a title. Yes, exactly right. What do you think your personal, your biggest challenge in your life, whether you've had or just in general, even in Job Corps before, or even in your personal life, what was the biggest challenge or life lesson that you think you had to learn? I had to learn to let people help me. That's so hard. (laughs) I'm used to doing everything by myself. I have a lot of people that depend on me. But I've, I've had to learn to say, yeah, maybe I can't do that all by myself. I'll tell you what, the biggest challenge for me, and, and I, it's, I'm not getting political or nothing, but thank goodness for loan forgiveness. Because, <laughs> yes, as I mentioned at the beginning, growing up, you know, our, our, our bills were paid by us making plants, making them literally, like yeah. cutting and, and sticking them in dirt and using the old Folgers coffee cans and putting nailing holes at the bottom for the water to drain and stuff. That's a lot of work. And yeah, <laughs> and our bills would get paid because my, my dad and my grandfather went to the flea market in Mercedes. My mom and her friend, my grandmother and her friend would go to the flea market in FAR. And then my older sister and another relative would go to the flea market in Brownsville. And we were there every Saturday and Sunday. And the money that you made from each of those locations was what was used to pay electric, water, food, et cetera. So when I left to college, I left a vacancy. Mm. And I, I put myself through a lot of guilt because I left them to do, to do for me. And how selfish is that? I did get into student loans and it wasn't for school. I would take out the money and send them money so they could pay. I would never let my children do that, but I didn't know better. Yeah. You know, so I did it. I did it. I, I did. Then I graduated. And it, I think it was very difficult for my mom and dad, uh, m- mostly my mom, because it kind of went back to what you were saying. Mira, she has a degree, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 and, and so you, you're getting it from both sides. Like you mm-hmm. want to go to the next level, but you still got your family saying, don't, don't be trying to act like you're all that. So you get that, that in between. Anyway, to get to where I'm going, I did get the degree. I have been working. Do I make a lot of money? I make enough to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. But I also make enough to pay my parents' bills. And that's where, where like you said, what, what, you know, what's the hardest thing for me is to be able to say, sometimes I need help. And, and, and I've, thanks to my 12 year old, I've learned to give myself permission to just sit there and cry and say, holy moly, how am I going to do it this month? Mm-hmm. But I got this, but I got this because, because I'm Viviana, you know, and, and, and Viviana, I'm always good. I'm always going to be okay. I got this. It's okay. You know, and, and then I like, I talk to myself a lot. It's a, <laughs> a lot. And so I just say, you know what? It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel helpless. And it's okay to say, help me. And that's hard because when you're used to doing it all by yourself and then people let you down. Mm-hmm. 
And so you have to come in and say, okay, Viv, I'm let you down. So at the end of the world, you're going to be okay. Levantate. Sing a song. <laughs> there you and so I do it, you know, but that's the hardest thing for me, friend, is saying, can I vent? Can I get just a little bit of help? Just something. I'm so busy helping everybody else that sometimes I forget. And so I have to reel myself back in and, <laughs> and just do that, you know? <laughs> and that's such a hard lesson to learn. I knew I struggle with that all the time where you have all this knowledge and like there's a saying, fish for a person and they'll eat for a day, but teach the person how to fish and they'll eat for a lifetime. I keep forgetting that, you know, I have all this in here, but I need to tr I need to make other people like me around me so that they can succeed and they won't need me as much anymore. Then that way I don't let people down. And then when mm -hmm. I need the help, they know exactly how to do it. So then they can help come help me. And, yep. I, and I think that's part of leadership and um, shaping people around us and sharing our knowledge is. It's not that we're going to become less valuable. If anything, right. people respect us more because we're willing to share the juice. We're willing to right. make, make other people better. And our legacy continues that way. No, I agree. And I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, being able to hope that, that the people that are important to us, including us, meet other folks like us mm -hmm. that are willing to help. That the hard part is saying, help me. Mm -hmm. Because people are willing to help. But if you're not willing to to admit to some of your lesser strengths, you know, to some of your weaknesses, they're not they don't know you need the help. And and again, I don't know. For me, I feel like it's cultural mm -hmm. because we always have to work harder. We always have to run faster. We always I feel that way. I don't know about everybody else, but I do. It, it for me to to stand out or to be I have to be twice as good. So it's hard to say, hey, I, I might need a little bit of help with that. And and then all those insecurities kick in and stuff. And lots of people are out there willing to help. El chiste is to say, help me. As Hispanics, we always have to try double the work. Uh, mm -hmm. no, ma no matter what. I remember my, one of my first jobs, I worked with all Caucasians and it was a case management job at Newbie. I'd just been there for a week and they were teaching me how to do this report and I just didn't get it. And then one of the supervisor there and she said, Hispanics are always so bad with technology. Like, and then I was just, oh my gosh. So I took my computer home that day and I learned how to do everything so that the next day when I came in, she's like, okay, I'm here to train you. And I was like, oh, I already know how to do it. I did. I already finished the reports. I actually mm -hmm. finished the reports for the rest of the month. And then she was just like, oh, uh, who did that for you? I did it myself. I taught myself because you didn't want to teach me. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to be another lazy Hispanic. And I just walked away. But it's just like those little comments and those little things that they get ingrained in us by, by, the, by society that we feel like we can't stop. We have to keep with that hustle culture. And even at home, you know, I didn't have, and you probably have this, you know, growing up, I didn't have the privilege of having a Sunday where I just sleep in. No, I need work at the flea market. <laughs> I had to be up by six, helping my dad with working. I had my mom or and if we didn't have work, I had to be I better be up by five to clean the house. <laughs> there was like all of these different things. If I wanted oh to. Oh, my gosh. I have never felt the fear of Jesus, except when my mom would come home and I hadn't washed the dishes. I could feel my like my stomach drop to my ankles. And I'm like, holy. And I would start it. <laughs> And she would walk in and oh my God, you know. And even if you did that, they'll look over your work. And every, every, nobody does everything yes. the way that I did it. You guys and are always do it again. Put them back in the sink and start again. <laughs> yes, sir. But but that's what I'm saying. And, and do you know, like any of our other counterparts with a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a doctor's degree that would go into that job and and feel the pressure of, I should take my computer home and learn how to do this on my own. Nobody else. I really feel it's cultural I, because that's what's been ingrained. That's what's been taught. You're right. If you're losing in a race, what do you do? You run faster. So we're taught that way. And you know, Jaime, that's been one of the hardest things with raising my kids. I don't want them to feel that's the only solution. Like mm -hmm. you got to run faster. I don't want to jade them, but then I don't want to make them lazy. I don't want to make them subpar. 
So I'm, I, I try to find that, that balance of nagging, if you will. <laughs> mira, you better do this, pero mira, if you don't, it's okay. It's tough to evolve to that. We grew up in La Chancla. We grew up with the yeah. tree branches. We grew up, I don't want to do that to my kids. But, but I know timeout isn't going to, mira, go to timeout. They're not, that's not going to, so it's it to evolve to that next level where you're having to find that balance to still raise productive young people and leave your legacy, as you were saying, and then to find that balance between personal life and work life, because mm -hmm. that's where I have a hard time. I want to be everybody's director, but I can't at all. <laughs> so... I've had to learn. I think you're doing a fantastic job. I can see it, Thank you. you know, and the way that your kids are and then even the way that people talk about you. You left such an imprint in my life and in everybody else's life. So you're doing a fantastic job. Just know that. Great. I'm always here, friend. <laughs> always here. Who is the person in your life that you're like, that's my unicorn? My mom. Uh, my mom. My mom to the eighth grade. And she, she did come from Ciudad Mante. My mom joined Head Start when we were three years old. She retired two years ago and she's 82. Oh, wow. So she is a little workaholic herself. <laughs> but, but really, my mom was that person. We were the house where everybody would bring their paperwork in English for us to translate. Uh, we were the house when the government gave away free cheese. It was given away at my house. Everybody came and we fed everybody. Uh, we were the house when somebody was leaving uh, domestic violence. They would come stay at my house because my mom said so. She has always been that person that has taught me to take care of people. And I think I'm a lot like her because we would clash so much because I think we were too much alike. <laughs> but but I think it's because that's what I learned from her. She she is my unicorn. I mean, she's she's as the song says, the wind beneath my wings. So <laughs> if we think about the unicorn flying. She blowing. <laughs> she, she's always put that example out there. And I just admire her because without a high school diploma, got a GD. And like I said, she's 84. Back in the day, the training was to be a cashier. She got a training certificate to be a cashier. <laughs> and those little bitty milestones, they were big for her. And they were nuggets that she put there for me to say, do better. Go beyond that. You can do this. So to be able to turn around and help her now, such an honor for me because I'm, I'm giving back a little bit of what she put out there for me because I was not supposed to even get into college friend. My high school counselor wanted me to be an auto mechanic. And you know what? I should have done it because I could save on the oil table. <laughs> but it was, it was my mom telling me, I think you could do a little bit better. Dale. When I did cheerleading, she sure did go to cheerleading camp with me. <laughs> and I remember feeling so embarrassed, like, Mom, sit down. You know, now that I'm older, I'm like, wow. My like, mom was there. <laughs> yes, yes, how cool is that? Nobody else's mom goes and stuff. All they want is, are you going to go see me at the game? My mom went to camp and she's sitting there doing jobs. And, <laughs> That's so cute. And I love that. It was beautiful. Yeah, she's my unicorn. She's the one. And those She's are the little the moments that you remember because yeah. those are the ones that impact you. And you're like, you know, that made my mom a wonderful mom. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just lucky I still have her around. I'm at that age where people lose their parents. You know, every every month, as soon as I can, I'll send her roses. I'll do. I was doing it up in California, too, because I remember you know, you're yes. like I was, I, you were working on something. And I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sending my mom flowers. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> yes, it's it's what I try to do every month or something, just so she knows, because I live 300 miles away from her. That's my girl. I mean, that's, that's, oh, that's amazing. And I love what you're doing for her. And I think she, she, I know she appreciates it. And she did a yeah. wonderful job with you. <laughs> uh, I've got yeah. my flaws, friend. I'm not. We all do. Perfect. So we all yes. do. I think if anybody thinks they're perfect, they're too narcissistic. So. <laughs> so as we're wrapping up, if you can give one piece of advice that you want people to leave with today, what would it be? Always remember tomorrow is another day. You get a chance to do it all over again and, and do it with the improvements and do it with the things you wish you had done that you didn't do. You always get another chance. And, 
as long as you do that, no regrets. Don't ever skip something that you're going to say, dang, I should have done that. Do it. No regrets. You have nothing to lose, everything to gain. And as they say, it's better to, to reject an opportunity than to never have it. So right. always say yes and take it. I love that. Learn. Well, this has been such a pleasure. I learned I so know. much. You can I'm telling you, you, you like inspire me just by listening to you and your laugh and your energy is so contagious. Like I just want to like bottle it up and, you know, whenever I'm feeling down, just pour it all over me. Like you're so amazing. You're such an amazing Call person. me friends. Call me and we'll talk. <laughs> no, thank you so much for letting me share with you. And I'm so inspired by you too, because I would not, I don't know that I would be able to sit down and do a podcast. And yet you just picked it up and said, hear me, watch me. And, and your messages are so important. And so I thank you for sharing that. I catch myself breathing. You know, I catch myself doing that. Eating you, I, I, I really believe just to finish up with you, everybody meets for a reason. Yes. No, you see the whole, it's a lesson. It's a, no, 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 no. I feel we met, you meet somebody because something, you're, you're going to bring something to it. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as wonderful as, as you have made me today by saying, you know, <laughs> you, you did this, you did this. Believe you me, you did the same. Because what an honor to have met you and, and to still have a friendship with you. And just to... To see you go, go for the next one. And if there's anything I can ever do, even if it's to sing a song to you across the radio, (laughs) across the telephone or whatever, let me know. I got you. But thank you so much for including me and keep up the great work. You're amazing. Thank you so much. And I think we just inspire each other. And I'm so grateful that I met you. And, you know, I do believe that we all me for a reason. And I'm so grateful that we were able to keep the communication going and still be able to talk because I still feel like I can learn a lot from you. Yeah. Say it with me. And there it is. And there it is, friend. And there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and if if anybody wants to like follow you or if they have a question for you about your general field, is there a place that they can reach out to you? Friend, I think the only place would be the LinkedIn. I'm in there. I'm part of Impact Strategic Consulting. Awesome small business, a minority-owned small business, which is important to me. But yeah, we're, I'm there and anything I can do, please, by all means. Um, or call Hyman. He'll let you know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, let me know anything I can help with. Perfect. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening in. And as Viviana's catchphrase, and there it is, friend. We'll... And there it is. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thank you.